Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. Uh, when you lead worship all by yourself as the entire band, I think you need to be appreciated a little bit. So can we say thanks to Andy? <clears throat> so good. When Andy is the whole band, we call him Bandy. That's how it goes. <laughs> you can call him that anytime now, all right? Hey, uh, we've got a brand new podcast coming out this week. It's just Laurel and I having a conversation about how God has developed a heart for the world inside of the two of us. And so if you'd like to check that out at Continuing the Conversation with Grant Laurel Fishbook, that would be awesome. During the month of March, we focus on everything that God is doing around the world and the little part that Christ the King gets to play in that. So I thought it'd be great if we did kind of an overview really quickly. So we're going to throw up a map of the world, and I want to just share with you some of the things and projects and people that we connect with around the globe as we continue to do our part in what God's doing. So let's start right here in the United States of America. Gordy and Renee McDonald are missionaries with YWAM Montana. They do strategic leadership at YWAM bases around the world, and their wisdom and leadership is highly coveted. We're so honored to walk alongside of them. Mark and Don Masucci also work with YWAM. They do strategic leadership, Bible teaching, and team empowerment with different folks in all corners of the world. Paul and Lynette Randerson are staff members at YWAM Kona. They help create systems and infrastructure. They do personal discipleship and financial services as they work with empowering young people to go and take their world for Jesus. Taylor and Shay Meyer are college campus ministries with Campus Crusade for Christ in Idaho, where they mentor and disciple college students. Last week, we talked about Belize, and that was last year's project, which you responded to incredibly. As I said last week, the first restoration home for taking victims of human trafficking out of evil and placing them in a safe place, they're going to be taking clients at the end of this month. And I want to encourage you to pray for us. We have a strategic meeting this week about the possibility of opening a second home that would look after the smallest and most vulnerable in Belize. God is doing huge things there in the fight against human trafficking. DJ and Dorothy are here this morning. They traveled with us to Belize and they had an opportunity on an extension to see the first home firsthand. And we are so excited to hear about all the things God is doing there. Let's move to Europe and Italy. Guy and Sandra Sotili are the presidents of Italy for Christ. They oversee church planting, strategic relief efforts, leadership development, and many other aspects of our ministry there in Italy. I also want you to know IFC is the main partner that we're working with in getting refugee relief into Ukraine on the borders and actually inside of the country. Let's move to Sicily, the little island off the boot of Italy. Francesco and Melita Romeo are pastors and community leaders in Catania, Sicily. Several years ago, we brought a project to you about creating a community center that would look after refugees and immigrants, which is just a huge issue in that particular country. That community center was completed and built by our good friends here at Christ the King Community Church, and that community center houses children's programs, a community garden, medical clinics, refugee and immigrant relief which is just incredible we're not even halfway through take a deep breath and I'll breathe so I can keep going two years ago we did a secret project in Israel actually sorry this was just la this was last year if I remember correctly Israel support our CTK supports missions initiatives in Israel we had to be very careful about how we talked about this because of security issues but what we can tell you is that we work with disadvantaged kids through a leadership academy that incorporates the word of God and if you're interested in that I'll talk more about it next week Let's move to Tanzania, where our good friends John and Jacinta McCallway are base leaders of YWAM Arusha. 
As well as leading the base, John and Jacinta lead widow and community feeding programs. They oversee schools. They lead medical initiatives, as well as many other aspects of ministry in Tanzania. Last year, through John and Jacinta, we got to provide water to a village that led to the beginnings of a church and a school, and we're partnering with other amazing nonprofits that are continuing the work in Tanzania. Also in Tanzania, Emmanuel and Happiness Nasseri are evangelists. They do outreach to unreached people groups, they plant churches, and they take the message of Jesus to the most remote villages of Tanzania. Let's move a little north to the country of Kenya. Thomas and Beatrice Amolo, they run our Savior Kings Academy, which is actually two schools with over 600 students, the Garden of Eden Children's Home, as well as many other ministries. If you watch our social media, Every once in a while, we will post a worship and dance video from the amazing kids at Garden of Eden. Thomas and Beatrice are their mom and their dad. So they provide strategic pastoral leadership at the schools, orphanages, and churches under their care. I've had the privilege of doing a pastor's conference a couple of times in Kibera, and what a joy it is to both teach and to learn from our African spiritual family. In India, Christ the King supports missionaries doing strategic work with unreached people groups, and due to security issues, we can't share any more details about that, but it is an incredible frontline ministry. And then let's move to Thailand. In Thailand, Leia Syracule is a part of Enoch Ministries in Thailand. Leia is instrumental in working with our church planting efforts and missional outreach in Pechabun and Bangkok. Along with that, we have Dwight Martin, who works with Eastar Ministries in Thailand. He ministers with our church planting efforts. He's actually the strategic and data guy that's able to tell me, hey, Grant, you remember that church planting project you guys started a couple of years ago? We've replicated that church planting house church model over 2,000 times in less than three years, which is absolutely incredible. And then Mike and Judy Christian also work with Campus Crusade for Christ in Thailand, and they support church leaders throughout the ministry of CCC. Your generosity allows Christ the King to provide for this group of people monthly support, special projects, and emergency funds. So we get to do ministry all of the time. Even more importantly than that, it's about our relationship with them. It's about being able to pray for them and knowing they have a place to turn when they really, really need help. Our church has a heart for the world, and as Laurel said last week, we do not want to be a church with a global missions program. We want to be a global church. And that's why Laurel laid out the dream of CTK Global Ambassadors last week. We introduced you to Brian and Tracy Hall, a young couple from our church who are going to live out the Great Commission and actually go. Brian and Tracy are going to embed themselves with our global partners to find ways of building bridges between you and your global family. And all of the details of this year's project are at info.ctk.church, and I just want to encourage you that giving to this year's project will open doors for you to actually have a global impact. It's opening doors for personal engagement and relationship, and we are so excited about this connection from the Christ the King side, but I also want you to know our partners are excited about what we're talking about, and I thought it would be great if you actually got to hear from some of them on the field about how your investment could change lives. So let's take a look at this. Hello, CTK family. This is John and Jacinta Mukolwe from Arusha, Tanzania. We are so thankful for this strategic new position, which will multiply the effectiveness of our mission. By seeing firsthand, you will understand connecting points that can only be perceived 
16 persons. Opportunities to work with children, teach English and computer competency, inspire and provide further training for school teachers, engaging with our sports ministry, participating in medical missions and church planting are some of the opportunities. So by the global ambassador being on site, they will see connecting points and help mobilize the CTK Board of Christ to be a blessing to the people of Tanzania. So by this, the earth will be filled by the knowledge of the Lord. This is exciting. Hello, CTK. This is Guy Sotile. Sandra is videoing me, my wife. Both of us have been leading Italy for Christ for the past almost 40 years. And we are so proud to be partners with you and the church. And we are in Italy and we are so excited when Pastor Grant and his wonderful wife, Laura, told us about the ambassador program where we are just waiting for you guys to come and help us out. We have so many churches throughout the country. One church in Sicily, led by Pastor Francesco Romeo, has been basically your church, and through your help and your resources, has been multiplying and making an incredible impact in the city of Catania, Sicily. So we are looking forward to get to know more Brian and Tracy, and together with them, organizing all kinds of trips, because we really feel that our ministry is an extension of your church. And that's really, I mean, I think, I believe we are at the dawn of a new missionary era. And all these changes, all this turmoil and crisis are bringing us to the point that together we can really be the light and the salt of this earth. We can have the real answers. So we are so excited about uh, this incredible program. And uh, we're looking forward to see you here in Italy for a long time together with us. We love you, pray for us as we pray for you. God bless you. Hello, Christ the King family. We are Mark and Don Masucci and we have been missional partners since 1992. And we wanna take this time to say thank you for all your love and support all these years. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege to meet with Laurel, Laurel and Tracy about the new ambassador role. I wanna say that there's three things that I'm really excited about for this new role. The first one being is that it shows the heart that Christ the King has for world missions. And I really appreciate that. The second thing is, I think Brian and Tracy represent that heart well. They are such lovely people and they serve so well. The third thing I'm excited about is the possibilities for connection. I think that there are so many ways that we could brainstorm together about how the church can be connected to missions all over. For example, here, one of the things that I have missed is the prayer that my mother offered to our students. Oftentimes, if there was a student going through a difficult time, she would pray for them and then she would send them letters. When she passed away, I got notes from all over the world telling me how significant those letters were. And so maybe there's a prayer warrior who would like to do something like that. Maybe there's a business owner or leader who has a heart to develop young people. We would love to see some people coaching young leaders in how to be good leaders. And thirdly, there are so many times that there are opportunities to come and to use your skill to volunteer for a week to even a month. And we would love to see how those connections can make. So we are so excited to brainstorm together to see what this role can be and all the ways we can connect. So thank you for being such a big part of World Missions. 
So if you'd like to be a part of this year's project, you can do that at give.ctk.church. Just look for the 2022 missions offering in the drop-down menu. Or if you're in the room, there are blue envelopes at the back of the building. So last weekend, I shared with you that there is one mission for the followers of Jesus. And we heard the words of Jesus as he empowered us with the twofold great commission. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. It's all right there for us, right? There's a call to go and a mission to make disciples and a promise that God is going to go with us in the going and in the making. And then we added the second part of the Great Commission in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In the second fold, we discovered that God is calling us to be eyewitnesses to the transforming power of Jesus in our lives and the lives of other people and that we have been given a God-given mandate, a responsibility to share Jesus in our concentric mission circles, Whatcom County, Washington State, the United States of America, and to every corner of the globe. And I told you last week that the where of the Great Commission is not multiple choice. You don't just get to pick and choose. No, we can all start here and we have to start here. But the message of Jesus cannot be limited to here. Why? Because we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been given these words to whom much has been given, much will be required because where your treasure heart is there, your treasure will be also simply because Jesus said go. That means his followers need to go. Well, this week, I'd like to add one more fold to the Great Commission. We're adding a third part that to me is both practical and defining. So here's one more fold, the third fold of the Great Commission. Let me give you some context. Jesus has been crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. Then over 500 people have seen him alive. And then the disciples that abandoned Jesus at the crucifixion, they're now rallying and hiding out in Jerusalem. And they're scared because they're being hunted by Jewish leaders who need to, to nip this little movement in the bud. They need to, to, to remove this idea that somehow this, this itinerant rabbi that they just put to death is alive and kicking. And then this happens in John 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. My imagination goes crazy with this moment. You've got a group of paranoid, freaked out followers. They're in a room with locked doors trying to strategize. What are we going to next and uh, do next? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up right in the center of the room. It's like, boom. Peace, brothers. You look a little freaked out. It's okay. Take a breath. It's me. Here's the proof. You saw when they nailed me to the cross. You saw when the spear went into my sides. I'm going to say it again just so you'll take a breath. Peace be with you. I'm here, which means everything I said was true. And now, as my Father sent me, I'm sending you. That little phrase can change your world. 
Let's take it out of Sunday and just move it to Monday morning. What if instead of thinking, I'm just going to work because that's what I do. I'm going to work. I punch the clock. I shuffle the papers. I sweep the floors. I make the donuts. I lead the company, teach the students, fix the cars, and preach the message. That, that's what I do. Well, what if instead of merely going to work, you changed your perspective to one of being sent? What if you believed on Monday morning and said, the God of the universe is sending me to accomplish his mission while I'm caring for the patient, debugging the computer, or raising my kids? What if instead of simply going through the motions, you said I'm being sent into my school, my job, and my home on a mission from Jesus? I am not just putting in time. No, I am one of God's sent ones who's taking Jesus with me everywhere I go, which means I am walking with Jesus, talking about Jesus, living out the heart of Jesus, being compassionate because of Jesus, working hard with Jesus, and bringing the message of Jesus with me because he sent me to do exactly that. Come on, 930. Can someone say that's true? I mean, do you feel the difference in the passion? What is so boring? The other, the other changes everything when you're sent. There's purpose and direction for your life. I mean, just think about how that small shift changes everything. Can I talk to the parents in the room for just a second? At the end of the day, what do you do every single day? You put your kids to bed. And it's hard because they don't want to go to bed parents are you just going through the motions or are you being sent at the end of the day to help your children finish their day with Jesus are you being sent to assure them I love you and Jesus loves you what would happen in our homes if instead of hey brush your teeth and go to bed what if we were sent into a transforming moment every single day? Dads, what if you walked into their bedroom and said, before you go to sleep, Daddy wants to remind you, you are loved, you are safe, and we're going to end the day talking to Jesus because he's the only one who loves you more than I do. Do you think that would transform you and your child? Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So how did the Father send Jesus? I'm going to make it very simple this week. I believe the Father sent Jesus humbly. When you think about it, Jesus could have been sent as a grand spectacle that overwhelmed the world with his greatness. Instead, Jesus arrived humbly. Why would God do that? Why would the Creator wrap himself in human flesh like his creation? Why would he choose, instead of arriving with this grand spectacle, to be tucked into the back door of human history in an obscure part of the Middle East? Why would Jesus do that? Because love is humble. Jesus wanted you to be able to connect with him, not stand at a distance. He wanted you to be able to approach him, not hide in a corner in shame. Jesus came to you so that you would come to him. Listen to Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
As I said before, I've had the privilege of, of teaching, training, and coaching pastors in the Kibera slum outside of Nairobi, Kenya. And I'll tell you what, every time I go, I receive so much more than I could ever give. I have a, a translator that I've worked with over multiple pastors' conferences, and he is the most incredible human being. We teach from morning till evening. Some of the pastors will walk for two to three days to get to the pastor's conference. And he gives everything he has. And he has to be twice as exhausted as I am at the end of the day because I only have to think and teach in English. He has to take my English, turn it into Swahili. He's doing twice the work all day long. And he's like my shadow. We have found this rhythm together. If I step like this and put my hands like that, he's right beside me, just like this. It's like a choreographed dance move. It's incredible to watch. And we pour ourselves into that teaching. And he has sacrificed. I mean, I have watched sweat just drip off of him as he's trying to keep up with me. If you haven't noticed, I have a tendency to talk a little fast when I get excited. And he's right there with me. One day we were teaching about the humility of Jesus and I was using the illustration of how Jesus came to his disciples and the Bible says, and then he showed them the full extent of his love and he took off his outer garment and grabbed a bowl full of water and he began to wash the feet. Think about that, the creator washing the feet of his creation, knowing that some of them were going to abandon him and run away. We were teaching about that and then we had the opportunity to actually practice that. And, and I had an opportunity to peel off my translator's socks and wash his feet. And when he flipped the script on me and started peeling my socks off, he wept and I wept. We both knelt in front of each other in humility because we are brothers. We are family. Tell you what, when humility shows up, hearts are changed. Jesus was sent humbly, and you and I are being sent in exactly the same way. Secondly, Jesus was sent relationally. The Bible says that the God of the universe came and, and lived amongst us for a while. One translation of John chapter 1 says, God moved into the neighborhood. I like that. One of our values of Christ the King is we're relationally driven, which means this. We intentionally choose to do life side by side, soul to soul, and heart to heart. We embrace the mess of human relationship. That's challenging, but that's the way Jesus did it. John chapter 2, the Bible says this. Now, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, Many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. That freak anybody out just a little bit? He knows exactly what is in each person, knows all about us. He knows our secrets and our sin. And I think there's a piece that we often miss. He often or also knows the beauty within you. Knowing all of that, the worst of you and the best of you, Jesus always moves closer to people. Knowing everything about you, he doesn't ever step back. He always moves in close. Everything about us draws Jesus closer. And I love that Jesus doesn't like distance. I love that he's not a God that, that, that's safely on the sideline. No, he's right there 
with us. So let's have a, let's have a really honest moment here. Over the last two years, we've gotten used to distance. We've gotten used to living in our little bubble, and I get it, I get it. Life can be easier at a distance. When you think about it, if you live life at a distance, there's less chance of getting hurt, less chance of getting sick, less chance of awkward conversations, but here's the truth. God did not create us to do life at a distance. I've learned something. You don't know you need people in biblical community until you're in crisis. Last week, a family called. They hit the wall of life going 95 miles an hour. Everything shattered. Do you want to know what was beautiful about it? By the time I got there, their small group was already on site. They were loved and cared for so, so well. And we have fooled ourselves into thinking, I can do life alone. I don't need anybody. It's just me and Jesus. Isn't it interesting? That's not the way Jesus said it works. It's the family of God. It's biblical community, and we need each other. And I know I'm going to be treading on some very sensitive ground here, but that's okay. I'm tired and a little scrappy today. So I want all of us to be thinking about this. We don't want you to be alone, so I'm going to lay it out there. There are very, very good reasons why people um, make decisions whether they're coming to church or not coming to church. Believe me, there are some good reasons to not come to church. If you're coughing or sneezing, it's not a good idea to come here because we will run away from you. That's how it's going to work. <laughs> and I understand how these pieces work, and there are good and valid reasons, which is why we're never going to stop doing live stream ever, ever, ever. You know why we're not going to stop doing live stream? Because my mom and dad watch on Saturday nights. My mother-in-law was watching last night. She's 92, and we're her church. And our brothers and sisters from Africa and those time zones, they tune in on Saturday nights in order to connect with their church family. And so it's important. We are always going to do this, but I need you to hear my heart in this. Easter is coming, and it's time for the people of God to come together to worship the God who not only rose from the dead, but who created us relationally to connect. There we go. So I just want to challenge you to think and pray about, is it time to be face-to-face? You know, the truth is we could continue to do our missions program from a distance, but instead we've made the decision to send people to create bridges so we can connect relationally with all of the good that God is doing around the world. One more piece. Jesus was sent sacrificially. In Matthew 20, the Bible says Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. I love these next four words, but not so with you. Not so with you. We're not going to do this with some type of organizational structure that delineates people and puts them in different categories. No, Jesus said that's the way other people do it, but we don't do that. Inside of my family, we connect together sacrificially. We love each other. In fact, Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you better get used to being the last. 
Here's what comes next. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was sent and it cost him his life. There's a high cost to being sent. But I'll tell you what, when you are sent and living with that missional idea of how Jesus has sent you, the reward is so intensely good. Easter's coming. We need volunteers to help us celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I'm gonna tell you something. There is a cost to walking into a room of five-year-old children to teach them about Jesus. There is a cost to it. But the reward... (laughs) of of seeing them open their heart to Jesus is absolutely eternal. There's a cost of time to meeting people after the altar call. If you've never been to Easter at Christ the King, we do an altar call, old-fashioned, like come to Jesus, then step out of your seat and walk the aisle to the front, and then we go backstage with a group of people who also know Jesus. There is a cost to being a part of that incredible transformation. The cost is you may have to to wait an extra 45 minutes to get to Grandma's house for ham and an Easter egg hunt. I mean, but when you think about the fact that you get to go backstage, sit across from someone who just came to the Jesus that you know and love and owe your life to, that reward is absolutely eternal we need some people that are going to pay a price so that we can continue to do this incredible work right here because God has called us to do work here don't make any mistakes here there and everywhere tried to think of a way to illustrate this for you some of you are going why are there four random chairs sitting on the stage They're not random pieces of furniture. In fact, every single one of these uh, chairs has a story. When Christ the King first started, a small group of 54 people bought these chairs right here. And you pay a price when you sit on metal for an hour. I'm just telling you. (laughs) They made a place, not for the people who were already there, but for the people who were about to come. And they invited people to fill the chairs and hear the message of Jesus, and people came. So they needed more chairs. And some of you have sat in these gray ones. Back in the days when we were at the Laurel campus and the Horton campus, and these gray chairs have floated around in many different times, and and each one of these chairs tells a story. And if you were here from the early days, you know some of those stories. Eventually, there weren't enough gray padded chairs, so they needed to buy some blue chairs. The one generation of chairs that we don't have anymore are these white ones that we used to have at one campus, then they moved to another campus. They used to be half in the old worship center in the meeting place. The reason we don't have them anymore is because we heard that there was a church in Canada that didn't have any chairs, and so we we gave them away. So uh, the white chairs, uh, that's where Laurel and I showed up. We came because a guy named Rick invited us, and the truth is we were pretty beat up, and we were hiding. Somebody paid for a space for us, and we came in and hid for a while, and then ended up pastoring 
this church. So here's what it means for you. If you're sitting in a chair right now, somebody else paid for your spot and you need to be really careful because God may choose you to be the pastor of this church someday. (laughs) So we had the white chairs and then we had the blue chairs and eventually... Those chairs had to be dispatched into different things and a bunch of you paid for a bunch of brown chairs because we ran out of blue chairs and white chairs and then we all paid for the chairs that you're sitting, if you're here in the room, that you're sitting in right now. Do you see the generational story? Every chair was bought by people who wanted to sacrifice to make a way for people who were being brought in so that they could be sent out. The goal of church is never to gather a whole bunch of people in one room at one time. The goal of the church is to use this place and online to inspire you because you have been sent. You've been sent. Our dream this year is to create a a chair of sorts so that you can sit across from people around the world and take the sending heart of Jesus seriously. Because that is the heart of Jesus, to bring people in and then to send them out. I believe this is true, that we're about to enter into the holiest moment of the week. It's not when the church gathers, it's when the church scatters. So as we wrap up today, here's one final thought. Just as Jesus was sent, we're all sent to follow in his footsteps. I was doing a a live YouTube show this week with a guy named Steve. Steve spent uh, uh, almost 30 years in the Ukraine and Russia. Um, He was a a leading news correspondent there, and we were talking about that. And he he mentioned a quote from Mother Teresa that just stuck in my mind that I think fits so unbelievably well. She said, I can do things you cannot, and you can do things I cannot, which means together we can do great things. There are places I can't go. There's places you can't go. And God is calling us as his sent ones to open the door so that his work is accomplished here and everywhere. So I'm gonna invite Andy if he'll come back and bring the whole band with him as he comes out. This is awesome. And as we wrap up our time together today, we're just gonna take a moment and and just reflect. What is God calling you to do today? As the Father has sent me, so Jesus is sending us. So what does it mean on Monday morning when you go to work or tonight as you tuck in your kids? Or Or as you sit at home and think about the neighbors that God has placed around you where you are? And what will we do with the word of God today? Here in the room, I'm gonna ask you, would you stand with me at home if you would change your worship posture? Father God, hear the cry of our heart today. We thank you for your passion for the lost. Thank you for all that we're able to, to do with you around the world. God, may we be humble, relational, and sacrificial this week. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves because together we can do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.